We are uh, enjoying very much a teaching series at our church entitled, I Met Jesus. And in it, we're seeing how an encounter with Jesus in his day transformed people's lives. And we've met some really interesting characters. We, we met the scholar, the very religious Nicodemus. We met the, uh, the woman who was more well-known for breaking up marriages than anything else, uh, the woman at the well. We've met a man on the fringes of society, the blind man who Jesus healed and made whole, and, and, and other people as well. And I think this is part of what makes uh, Christmas so powerful and is, is celebrated all over the world, indeed is part of why we're here uh, this afternoon and why you're here, is that we look at the life of Jesus and we see that he had a kind of love for mankind. No matter who you were, no matter what your station in life was, he had a love for people. And we sense, I think, instinctively that this is the kind of love that we long for and the kind of love that we so desperately need. Tonight, we're going to uh, meet somebody that knew Jesus in a way that nobody else knew Jesus. And I see that it's on the screen already, so so much for setting it up. (laughs) Uh, Any guesses who it may be? Yes, we're going, to, uh, we're going to meet Mary briefly here uh, today. We're going to meet Mary, Mary the mother of Jesus. There's many Marys in the New Testament, but Mary specifically the mother of Christ. What do we know about Mary? Who was she? Well, we, knew, we know quite a bit about her actually, and let me just share a few things that we know. We know, for example, first of all, that she was young. She was young, probably 14 or 15, something like that which was very common in that culture for a woman to be, uh, to be betrothed or to be engaged. But, uh, and that's how old she was. Now, right now, we've got probably 14 and 15-year-old girls uh, who are sitting here, and you are greatly disturbed at the thought of that. And I want to assure you of something. You are not nearly as disturbed as your mothers are right now at the thought of that. But this was the, this was the common thing in the day. Didn't seem unusual at all. She was betrothed to be married to a man named Joseph. And Joseph was of the lineage of King David, the royal line. And Mary may have been as well. We know that she lived in Nazareth, which is notable because Nazareth is so not notable. It was uh, nothing more than a, a wide spot in the road. We would say it this way, blink and you... Okay, apparently you missed my cue there as well. Blink and you, you miss it. And I think perhaps even on a donkey, uh, if you weren't looking carefully, you might miss Nazareth. Years later, Nathaniel is going to say about Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So right away in the story of this girl's life, we see that there is so much that is surprising. She uh, is very young. We know that she was very poor. She is from a... Uh, obscure part of the country, and uh, there is nothing other than perhaps her lineage, there's nothing noteworthy about her at all. So how did this Mary meet Jesus? What happened to this girl? Well, the story of Mary begins, and, and we're told the story in, uh, in Luke 1, it begins with 
a meeting that she had with an angel. The angel Gabriel came to her, and it says that this is what happened. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Now Mary's response to this is completely understandable. Uh, Other than uh, perhaps maybe we'd expect her to say, Wow, you're an angel. Or something like that. But she's thinking very practically. And her response to this word from the angel is, How can this be since I am a virgin? Now that's a very practical thinking girl, don't you think? There's a reality here that she says, How can I, how can I bear this son that you're talking about when I am, when I am a virgin? And we talk a lot about the the virgin birth, and it definitely is a very important uh, doctrinal truth. But one thing that we often miss, I think, is that we think that the virgin birth is saying something about Mary, and it is in a a certain way. But what it is really speaking to is the character of the child that she would bear, the Christ. Because you can say whatever you want to about a virgin birth, but if, if, if if someone's born of a virgin, you can know that this did not come from man. Now, that doesn't mean that it necessarily came from God, but if God speaks into the situation and says, oh, by the way, that boy is my doing, now that's pretty convincing proof that this was a God thing, that Jesus came came from God. And so, as you, uh, we've already talked about in the story, uh, we've talked this part of the story in our service already, you know then that Mary indeed be- became pregnant and that... Uh, an angel appeared to Joseph and said to him, by the way, she's not kidding. Uh, this is of God, and you need to take her as your wife. And so they do that, and they, because of a census, they make their way to Bethlehem, this now famous journey uh, to Bethlehem. So here you have the young girl from Nazareth. Uh, she's 14, 15 years old. She's already had the trauma of an angel appearing to her. She's told the most fantastic news that a young girl could ever hear. Not only is she going to give birth uh, as a virgin, but she also is going to give birth to the one that the Old Testament had been prophesying, the great Messiah, and that this son of hers would sit on a throne forever. So she makes her way to Bethlehem, the lineage of David because of Joseph. And here are some of the descriptions of what happened the very night that they arrived in Bethlehem. The Bible says that she went into labor and that she gave, she delivered Jesus and she did so in basically an animal pen. That she gave birth to her firstborn son. That she did indeed call his name Jesus, as the angel had said, which by the way, Jesus means Savior. Savior. Then she's visited by these shepherds who are telling her that there were angels that were telling them that there was, that this child has been born and he would be wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger and you gotta go check this out. And they show up and we're here to see the boy. And the text says that after all of this, that Mary treasured and pondered all the things that had gone on. And no doubt, 
I mean, we look at the story, we're like, oh, she should have understood. Really? You think? Would this not be an overwhelming experience for anyone, in particular a 14-year-old girl? So here we are on Christmas Eve, and basically what we want to do is we want to treasure and to ponder, like Mary, the events of that very first Christmas night. Now for Mary, uh, she treasured and pondered, but she had to very quickly get to doing what moms have to do when they have a newborn baby. She had to care for the boy. She had to feed the boy. And within two years, the story tells us that uh, Herod wanted to kill him. He's only two years old or under, and Herod the king wants to kill him. And so God sends them, sends them on a flight to Egypt, probably financed by the gifts of the wise men who had shown up uh, following the star. And they go to Egypt, and they wait there until Herod has died. And then they make their way back to their hometown of Nazareth. Nazareth. Now, we got lots of detail there, but after that, in terms of Mary, we don't know very much. We know almost nothing about, we know a little bit, but almost nothing about Jesus' growing up years. And it would be fascinating to know what that was like and how he related to people and, and all the rest. There's one story about him being in the temple and they thought he was with them. And that, that's all we get, though. I'd like to know so much more. Until age 30. And now Jesus begins his public ministry, and the beginning of that public ministry involves his mother, Mary. They're at a wedding in Cana, and Mary is there, and the wedding party runs out of wine. And so Mary implores Jesus to do something about it. And there's the little moment where she says to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Now, why is that important in the I Met Jesus Mary story. Here's why. We already see Mary having a kind of faith understanding that this boy who now has become a man is something very, very special. The faith is beginning in her heart. Now, two more instances that we have uh, that I want to share with you of Mary. Uh, The second one is Mary's darkest hour. The Bible says very specifically that when Jesus died on the cross, there was a group of people that were there. And one of the people that were standing there at the foot of the cross as Jesus is dying on the cross was Mary. Now, can you imagine the anguish of her heart? Can you imagine being a mother, seeing your son die? Not just die, but die on a tortured device like a cross, dying of crucifixion. And as she's sitting there watching this, she no doubt is thinking back to what the angel had said about who this person was, that he was going to sit on a throne, the throne of David, forever. And she's probably wondering in her heart, how can this be? If he's dead, he can't sit on a throne. Did I misunderstand the angel? What's going on here? You can just see the the emotions of a mother in that moment. And she was there when Jesus died. Maybe helped in his burial and his placement in the tomb. And of course, no one at that moment, including Mary was thinking resurrection, or had any real idea of what was going on and the significance of it. Which leads now to the last mention that we have of Mary. The last thing in all of the Bible that mentions Mary is in the book of Acts. And now in Acts chapter 1, it is after Jesus' resurrection, three days after he he was uh, killed, after his ascension, Acts 1, 14 says this, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women 
and Mary, the mother of Jesus. So here we are now, some 33 years after the angel appeared to her. We are 33 years uh, approximately after that night in Bethlehem where she gave birth and the shepherds came and all the things that happened in that moment. We are, we are some uh, three decades after she flees to Egypt to save his life. We are decades after she uh, named him, which I think is so interesting, Jesus. Every time she said his name, every single day, a reminder of who he was. Hey, Jesus. Hey, Savior. Savior, come. It's time for dinner. Savior, it's time for you to go to bed. Savior, Savior, Savior. That's what his name meant. And of course, after seeing the miracle at Cana and after seeing, no doubt, other miracles that Jesus performed, after seeing him become, at the same time, the most loved and hated person in all the land, after seeing him die on the cross, after possibly seeing him placed in the tomb, after his resurrection, we find Mary gathered with the other people who were the first followers and believers of Jesus, the very first Christians, And what is she doing? She is in prayer. Now, what does that mean? Here's what it means. It means that the Virgin Mary had become the Christian Mary. And that's important to recognize, my friends. She came to believe in her son as her savior. And that's sort of a, she's a unique person in the story, no doubt. But that's what's happened. She believes in him as her savior. And of course, it wasn't hard for her to believe that he was the son of God. Remember, she knows where he came from. But to see him as her savior, as dying for her sins, this was the necessary step. And what I want to say to everybody here is the same step that even Mary had to come to is the very same thing that all of us do. You know, being a virgin doesn't save you. Even giving birth to the Savior of the world doesn't save you. But acknowledging your sins to God and believing in Jesus as your Savior, now that will. And isn't it kind of obvious? If even Mary had to believe in Jesus as her Savior, then how much more do you and do I? The Virgin Mary became the Christian Mary. She became a follower of Jesus. And friend, that's, that's the point I think that Mary makes to us, is a remarkable woman, no doubt. Special in the story, absolutely. But in the end, she's just like us. She's a sinner in need of a Savior. Only the Savior was her son. And it seems to me this is the real issue on a Christmas Eve. We've all gathered here. We've got things that we're going to be doing tonight and tomorrow, and it's a great weekend, and, and we're all going to enjoy it, and we've enjoyed this service. But it really comes down to that very bottom line, doesn't it? The bottom line of bottom lines of Christmas Eve is exactly what the angels said. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And I want to ask this auditorium here, have you met Jesus in that way? I'm not asking if you know about him. You know why we're here. Have you had a faith encounter with Christ where like Mary and Nicodemus, woman at the well, and anybody else 
who became a disciple of Christ, where you surrendered your, surrendered your heart, you surrendered your, your trust, where you placed it in Christ, recognizing that I am a great sinner and He is a great Savior. And I believe that what He did on the cross for me is my only hope for salvation. Have you come to that point in your life? I think a Christmas Eve service would be a really great place to do that. And maybe through the music and through opening God's Word and having a quiet moment here, perhaps God might touch your heart and draw you to Himself and for you to believe in Christ as your Savior. Now you might be here saying, well, like, what, what does that mean? It means basically this. Faith is a response. It is a it is, a, it is a response to who Jesus is and a recognition and a, a receiving of Him as Savior. A faith response in a heart might sound something like this. Dear God, I believe that I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. I believe He died for my sins. And right here, I want to say to you that all my trust is in Him. Please forgive my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. Thank you. Does that resonate in your heart? Is that that, that an echo of where your heart is on this Christmas Eve? I hope that it is. And if you're here after the service and you're like, I'd sure like to talk to somebody about my spiritual journey. I'd like to know a little bit more. We have people in the, in the foyer there. They have a ribbon that says, ask me. And so ask them. That's why, that's why they're there. We'd love to help you. Finally, I want to say this uh, to us. I think that Mary uh, gives us an example here on this Christmas Eve of how we should all respond if we are followers of Christ. And I want to quote now uh, a guy by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And Bonhoeffer was a theologian. He was also a martyr, and he died at the hands of the Nazis right before the end of World War II. It's a very compelling story. But he wrote a lot, and he thought deeply about Christmas and the Incarnation and Mary. And here's what he says. Who among us will celebrate Christmas right? Those who finally lay down all their power, honor, and prestige, all their vanity, pride, and self-will at the manger. Those who stand by the lowly and let God alone be exalted. Those who see in the child in the manger the glory of God precisely in this lowliness. Those who say, along with Mary, the Lord has regarded my lowest state. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. That's Mary. And I hope we got a lot of Marys here tonight who can leave here rejoicing in what God has done. So may Mary's joy on that night be our joy. And I want to say to each of you, Merry Christmas.